Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 2 of The Pirate's Own Book This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jane Greensmith. The Pirate's Own Book by Charles Elms. Chapter 2 Adventures and Exploits of Captain Avery Containing an account of his capturing one of the great mogul's ships laden with treasure, and an interesting history of a colony of pirates on the island of Madagascar. During his own time, the adventures of Captain Avery were the subject of general conversation in Europe. It was reported that he had married the great mogul's daughter, who was taken in an Indian ship that fell into his hands, and that he was about to be the founder of a new monarchy, that he gave commissions in his own name to the captains of his ships and the commanders of his forces, and was acknowledged by them as their prince. In consequence of these reports, it was at one time resolved to fit out a strong squadron to go and take him and his men and at another time it was proposed to invite him home with all his riches, by the offer of His Majesty's pardon. These reports, however, were soon discovered to be groundless, and he was actually starving without a shilling, while he was represented as in the possession of millions. Not to exhaust the patience or lessen the curiosity of the reader, the facts of Avery's life shall be briefly related. He was a native of Devonshire, England, and at an early period sent to sea. Advanced to the station of a mate in a merchantman, he performed several voyages. It happened previous to the Peace of Ryswick, where, when there existed an alliance between Spain, England, Holland, and other powers against France, that the French in Martinique carried on a smuggling trade with the Spaniards on the co continent of Peru. To prevent their intrusion into the Spanish dominions, a few vessels were commanded to cruise upon that coast, but the French ships were too strong for them. The Spaniards, therefore, came to the resolution of hiring foreigners to act against them. Accordingly, certain merchants of Bristol fitted out two ships of thirty guns, well manned, and provided with every necessary munition, and commanded them to sail for Karuna to receive their orders. Captain Gibson commanded one of these ships, and Avery appears to have been his mate in the year 1715. He was a fellow of more cunning than courage, and insinuating himself into the confidence of some of the boldest men in the ship, he represented the immense riches which were to be acquired upon the Spanish coast, and proposed to run off with the ship. The proposal was scarcely made when it was agreed upon, and put in execution at ten o'clock the following evening. 
Captain Gibson was one of those who mightily loved their bottle, and spent much of his time on shore, but he remained on board that night, which did not, however, frustrate their design, because he had taken his usual dose and so went to bed. The men who were not in the Confederacy went also to bed, leaving none upon deck but the conspirators. At the time agreed upon, the long boat of the other ship came, and Avery hailing her in the usual manner, he was answered by the men in her. Is your drunken boatswain on board? Which was the watchword agreed between them. Avery replying in the affirmative, the boat came alongside with sixteen stout fellows who joined in the adventure. They next secured the hatches, then softly weighed anchor, and immediately put to sea without bustle or noise. There were several vessels in the bay, besides a Dutchman of forty guns, the captain of which was offered a considerable reward to go in pursuit of Avery, but he declined. When the captain awoke, he rang his bell, and Avery and another conspirator, going into the cabin, found him yet half asleep. He inquired, saying, "'What is the matter with the ship? Does she drive? What weather is it?' supposing that it had been a storm, and that the ship was driven from her anchors. "'No, no,' answered Avery. "'We're at sea, with a fair wind and good weather.' "'At sea?' said the captain. "'How can that be?' "'Come,' answered Avery. "'Don't be in a fright, but put on your clothes, and I'll let you in to a secret. You must know that I am captain of this ship now, and this is my cabin. Therefore you must walk out.' I am bound to Madagascar, with a design of making my own fortune, and that of all the brave fellows joined with me. The captain, having a little recovered his senses, began to understand his meaning. However, his fright was as great as before, which Avery perceiving, desired him to fear nothing. For, said he, if you have a mind to make one of us, we will receive you, and if you turn sober and attend to business, perhaps in time I may make you one of my lieutenants. If not, Here's a boat, and you shall be set on shore. Gibson accepted of the last proposal, and the whole crew being called up to know who was willing to go on shore with the captain. There were only about five or six who chose to accompany him. Avery proceeded on his voyage to Madagascar, and it does not appear that he captured any vessels upon his way. When he arrived at the northeast part of that island, he found two sloops at anchor, which, upon seeing him, slipped their cables and ran themselves ashore, while the men all landed and concealed themselves in the woods. These were two sloops which the men had run off with from the East Indies, and seeing Avery's ship, supposed that he had been sent out after them. Suspecting who they were, he sent some of his men on shore to inform them that they were friends, and to propose a union for their common safety. The sloop's men, being well armed, had posted themselves in a wood, and placed sentinels to observe whether the ship's men were landing to pursue them. The sentinels, only observing two or three men coming towards them unarmed, did not oppose them. Upon being informed that they were friends, the sentinels conveyed them to the main body, where they delivered their message. They were at first afraid that it was a stratagem to entrap them. But when the messengers assured them that their captain had also run away with his ship, and that a few of their men along with him would meet them unarmed to consult matters for their common advantage, confidence was established, and they were mutually well pleased, as it added to their strength. Having consulted what was most proper to be attempted, they endeavored to get off the sloops, and hastened to prepare all things in order to sail for the Arabian coast. Near the river Indus, the man at the masthead espied a sail, upon which they gave chase. As they came nearer to her, they discovered that she was a tall vessel, and might turn out to be an East Indiaman. 
She, however, proved a better prize, for when they fired at her she hoisted mogul colours, and seemed to stand up upon her defence. Avery only cannonaded at a distance, when some of his men began to suspect that he was not the hero they had supposed. The sloops, however, attacked, the one on the bow, and another upon the quarter of the ship, and so boarded her. She then struck her colours. She was one of the great mogul's own ships, and there were in her several of the greatest persons in his court, among whom, it was said, was one of his daughters going upon a pilgrimage to Mecca, and they were carrying with them rich offerings to present at the shrine of Mahomet. It is a well-known fact that the people of the East travel with great magnificence, so that these had, along with them, all their slaves and attendants, with a large quantity of vessels of gold and silver, and immense sums of money to defray their expenses by land. The spoil, therefore, which they received from that ship was almost incalculable. Taking the treasure on board their own ships, and plundering their prize of everything invaluable, they then allowed her to depart. As soon as the mogul received his, this intelligence, he threatened to send a mighty army to extirpate the English from all their settlements upon the Indian coast. The East India Company were greatly alarmed, but found means to calm his resentment by promising to search for the robbers and deliver them into his hands. The noise which this made over all Europe gave birth to the rumors that were circulated concerning Avery's greatness. In the meantime... Our adventurers made the best of their way back to Madagascar, intending to make that place the deposit of all their treasure, to build a small fort, and to keep always a few men there for its protection. Avery, however, disconcerted this plan, and rendered it altogether unnecessary. While steering their course, Avery sent a boat to each of the sloops, requesting that the chiefs would come on board his ship to hold a conference. They obeyed, and being assembled, he suggested to them the necessity of securing the property which they had acquired in some safe place on shore, and observed that the chief difficulty was to get it safe on shore, adding that if either of the sloops should be attacked alone, they would not be able to make any great resistance, and thus she must either be sunk or taken with all the property on board that, for his part, his ship was so strong, so well manned, and such a swift-sailing vessel, that he did not think it was possible for any other ship to take or overcome her. Accordingly, he proposed that all their treasure should be sealed up in three chests, that each of the captains should have keys, and that they should not be opened until all were present, that the chests should be then put on board his ship, and afterwards lodged in some safe place upon land. This proposal seemed so reasonable, and so much for the common good, that it was without hesitation agreed to, and all the treasure deposited in three chests and carried to Avery's ship. The weather being favorable, they remained all three in company during that and the next day. Meanwhile, Avery, tampering with his men, suggested that they had now on board what was sufficient to make them all happy. And what, continued he, should hinder us from going to some country where we are not known, and living on shore all the rest of our days in plenty? They soon understood his hint, and all readily consented to deceive the men of the sloops and fly with all the booty. This they effected during the darkness of the following night. The reader may easily conjecture what were the feelings and indignation of the other two crews in the morning, when they discovered that Avery had made off with all their property. Avery and his men hastened towards America, and being strangers in that country, agreed to divide the booty, to change their names, and each separately to take up his residence and live in affluence and honor. 
The first land they approached was the island of Providence, then newly settled. It, however, occurred to them that the largeness of their vessel, and the report that one had been run off with from the groin, might create suspicion. They resolved, therefore, to dispose of their vessel at Providence. Upon this resolution, Avery, pretending that his vessel had been equipped for privateering, and having been unsuccessful, he had orders from the owners to dispose of her to the best advantage, soon found a merchant. Having thus sold his own ship, he immediately purchased a small sloop. In this he and his companions embarked, and landed at several places in America, where, none suspecting them, they dispersed and settled in the country. Avery, however, had been careful to conceal the greater part of the jewels and other valuable articles, so that his riches were immense. Arriving at Boston, he was almost resolved to settle there, but, as the greater part of his wealth consisted of diamonds, he was apprehensive that he could not dispose of them at that place without being taken up as a pirate. Upon reflection, therefore, he resolved to sail for Ireland, and in a short time arrived in the northern part of that kingdom, and his men dispersed into several places. Some of them obtained the pardon of King William, and settled in that country. The wealth of Avery, however, now proved of small service, and occasioned him great uneasiness. 